You're listening to The Togetherings, hosted by the Alaska Humanities Forum. The Togetherings are recorded conversations with Alaskans from all walks of life, sharing their perspectives on big questions that touch us all. Each series shares a common theme that is explored across episodes. We are honored to have two guests tonight. On the phone with us right now, we have Aaron Leggett and Isaac Vanderberg. Aaron Leggett is the curator of Alaska history and culture at the Anchorage Museum. He has also served as the Denina Cultural Historian for the Alaska Native Heritage Center, and he is a member of the Aklutna tribe of Denaina Athabascans. Isaac is the CEO of Launch Alaska, which is a business accelerator. They invest in scalable startups in food, water, transportation, and energy. Isaac has worked with hundreds of early stage companies and entrepreneurs responding to Alaska's challenges regarding food, water, transportation, and energy. Tonight, we're going to start the conversation by posing some questions to Aaron and Isaac. I hope you guys are ready for some really hard questions. We're going to go ahead and start with Isaac. Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm really, really curious um, what the title of, of today's show means to you and and maybe why is this something that's important to you again our, our theme tonight is today is tomorrow's yesterday yeah so um at launch alaska we're trying to find um basically partnerships or pairings between some really exciting innovative startups and partners in alaska um and we spend our days having conversations between folks who may have little familiarity with the state and with the way we do things here, um, and people who are in Alaska who um, have deep roots in the state and know, you know, the ins and outs of kind of the Alaskan way of life. And a large part of our program is just partnering people together and having those conversations and facilitating those connections and seeing where it leads. Um, and. It, and so I'm really excited about this conversation today because I think, you know, the reason that some of the startups that we're working with are in Alaska is because of the people that are here and their intimate understanding of challenges in food, water, transportation, and energy, and um, and that kind of pairing of you know, what I would call indigenous knowledge or Alaska know-how with, um, with kind of innovation and, and um, some really exciting kind of approaches to things is, a, is just a really ex exciting kind of mashup and an exciting connection to be made. Um, and I just, that's, to me, that's what the topic is about today is, um, is having really conversations and, and seeing where things lead and working on big challenges together. Hmm. Isaac, is, is this something, um, it sounds like you have a personal connection to as well. Um, what, what brought you to this work originally? Uh, yeah, so um, I, um, after university, um, joined the Peace Corps um, because I wanted to see how kind of um, these highfalutin ideas and um, academic concepts actually applied to the real world and things that actually mattered to people. Um, and I spent years in um, Central America developing micro enterprises in areas that um, where there's, you know, communities that were 
really islanded communities that had little access to um, roads into the community, um, you know, no electrical grid in the area where I was. And I spent a couple of years there uh, interacting with folks and trying to think of approaches to, you name it, um, improving healthcare or food um, systems or access to uh, energy. Um, and so that was kind of my first entry into the real world. And ever since then, I've, you know, I've spent really the rest of my career working with early stage microenterprises and entrepreneurs and um and I'm super happy to be able to do this in Alaska. And I think Alaska has a has an incredible um, future and opportunity to talk to innovation and some of some of the future of um, future solutions of food, water, transportation, energy. Um, Aaron, do we have you with us? Can you hear me? Yeah, I think I'm here. Hi, welcome, Aaron. Um, we uh, we were just starting out by um, thinking about the title or the the topic for tonight's show. Today is tomorrow's yesterday, and I would love to know, um, you know, what what that means to you. Well, I think um, when I hear that title, what it what it what it occurs to me is the idea of using traditional indigenous knowledge to find solutions uh, for the future. I think for many centuries, uh, indigenous knowledge has been largely ignored or relegated to the idea of uncivilized or unevolved. But as we continue to see uh, dramatic global climate change, uh, we the biology of animals, uh, the fact that the the knowledge that people have gained in these places goes back not hundreds of years, but really thousands of years. Uh, and it's based on very close observation of the surroundings. I think that is one of the ideas that um, is starting to come forward, is that working with scientists or others for technical innovations, ultimately the solutions for a place are going to come from the place. Aaron, could I also ask, um, you know, as, as a historian, um, what, what brought you to this work? Um, what is it that originally brought you toward, you know, wanting a deeper understanding of the past? Well, um, so I'm Denai Athabaskan. I grew up in Anchorage. Uh, I've lived here my whole life. And when I was a kid, there was no talk of uh, my people. Our history was not taught in schools. It was not discussed. Uh, one of our elders described us as the invisible people. Uh, we were invisible to outsiders and we were invisible to ourselves. Half the state's population lives in the Denina homeland, yet until a very few years ago, nobody knew we still existed. And so um, when I got out of high school, I started working at the Alaska Native Heritage Center and I met other Alaska Natives who were from around the state. And I told them that I was Denina and they said, what's that? And I said, well, we're the natives, you know, the indigenous Athabascans of this area. And they said, well, I didn't know that this area was a native place. And you wouldn't because there was no meaningful recognition. And so I decided at that point to dedicate my career to increasing public awareness of my people, uh, getting interpretive signage, land acknowledgments, uh, consultations, uh, exhibitions in museums, uh, so on and so forth. And so what led me to this work was um, 
that. But as I started to learn more and talk to elders, I could quickly see that the information that had been documented, some of the, many of the elders are no longer with us, but didn't want to see disappear. And the more I understood my native language, the more I understood place names and sense of place, the more I got a deeper understanding of my place, even though I've lived here my entire life. And I'm, I'm struck by, you know, the, the balance of having a historian and also someone working with startups um, on the call. And I wondered if, if you could both speak to, you know, how do you see the balance in your work between moving forward and looking backward? Um, and if you, if you think about your own work, you know, what you are doing on a daily basis, where, where does that balance seem like it is? Are you more focused on forward or, or backward or how does that settle? Maybe Isaac, you could start us off. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, we're very focused on the future. And Aaron brought up the um, impending, you know, crisis of climate change and um, what I would, you know, call actually a, a real-time emergency that's um, upon us right now. And so, uh, you know, we spend our days trying to find solutions and work with innovators who think they have um, solutions that scale that can allow us to catch up um, or make meaningful progress in the fight against um, climate change to mitigate the worst effects of climate change. Um, and so it's a very forward-looking endeavor and it has to be a very optimistic endeavor considering what we're up against. Um, mm -hmm. Having said that, this is a I think one thing that's really interesting about Alaska and kind of Alaska's gift to innovation is that the solutions that work here need to be or are necessarily long-term solutions and they're solutions that are not kind of the Silicon Valley really fast venture capital, you know, um, an app, you know, like an Angry Birds app that gets a bunch of people to click on their phone more. Like the solutions that make sense in Alaska and that we have to contribute to kind of the global innovation world are solutions that really matter. It's things like uh, how do you continue to have healthy um, sanitation systems in areas where there's, you know, the, the, the coast is eroding and there's permafrost melting, or how do you get... Uh, keep people warm uh, when shipping of fuel is um, is can be really iffy um, and where supply chains are you know subject to um, change with uh, with a moment's notice uh, these, these all these issues are very much you know um, human oriented and kind of long long-term meaningful issues um, and so I think, when we are trying to make meaningful progress on any of those challenges, you need people who can come to a meeting or, or gathering and say, you know, we've tried this um, in, in these 20 ways over the last two decades and none of those ways worked. And here are all the reasons that they don't, that they haven't worked. And that kind of information about, you know, um, about what does and doesn't work and what's been tried previously is is necessary for us to think about the future and what's possible. Um, and so there's there's a tension there, um, but a, but I would you know emphasize that um, 
we're spending you know probably 80% of our time thinking about how do we move forward quickly and how do we work with partners and communities um, to move more quickly than we are today based on kind of what our understanding of the past is. Mm. There's a lot to, to respond to today, isn't there? Yeah. Sure. Aaron, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. How do you see or feel this balance between moving forward and, and looking back? Well, I think for, for me and my work, um, again, I think looking to, in looking in the past, I think one of the first things that's very important to recognize is that um, we're not in control of our environment, our, our, our weather, so to speak. Uh, that's not to say we don't influence it, but ultimately we don't control it. Uh, I can't tell you tomorrow with 100% certainty that it'll rain or that the sun will come out. And I think Alaska Native and Indigenous people recognize that. So I think sometimes we have this tendency to think that we are ultimately, at the end of the day, in control, uh, but we're not. So I think that's important. But again, we do influence what we do, and then that's not to say that we, we can't do things to help it. Um, but looking to the future, I think one of the things that's really struck me is working at the Anchorage Museum um, and having the opportunity to travel uh, throughout what I would describe as the circumpolar north. What I'm struck by is going to different places, how different countries in uh, Scandinavia, uh, the Nordic countries, uh, deal with some of the same issues that, that we deal with in very unique and in interesting ways. I think sometimes, for a long time in Alaska, I think we have had this mentality of we're, we're not like anywhere else, nobody understands us, you know, we have these unique challenges and we're the only ones that have to face them, but that's not entirely true. Um, I think a lot of that comes from where do we put our efforts and our um, resources, uh, our capital, so to speak, uh, to tackle these problems. I think about the fact that I'm a graduate of the University of Alaska, and I look at other northern universities and seeing what they do. And I think one of the big things that we've really missed the boat on, in my opinion, is that we have tried to be like everyone else and to provide everything for everybody instead of really focusing on unique programs that could benefit us and uh, really invest in ourselves. I don't think we do a very good job of investing in ourselves. And a good example of that is, uh, you know, I look at uh, Finland as a country, and uh, in a lot of ways, Finland's very similar uh, to Alaska. Uh, we both have a Russian colonial history. Uh, before World War II, Finland was largely uh, agrarian, but after World War II, they really doubled down on their education system and developing technologies. And at one time, you know, the world's largest cell phone company came out of Finland. It didn't come out of Japan. It didn't come out of Korea. It uh, didn't come out of the United States. It came out of Finland. Uh, I, you know, as was mentioned earlier, Angry Birds. Angry Birds was developed by Finnish game designers, uh, not, again, in Tokyo, not in Seattle. Um, 
Now, you'd never know these things because their um, modesty, in a way, is not to really promote themselves. But uh, a lot of innovation can come out of the North. We just don't necessarily always see it. I'm uh, struck already by similarities, actually, in what the two of you are saying. Um, you know, this this point you made, Aaron, about investing in ourselves, which I'm guessing, Isaac, you um, you perked up at as well. Absolutely. There's so much that Aaron just said that is um, it could be a, an entire uh, conversation in its own right. Mm. And um, the the example of Finland, I think, is is one that all of us should pay attention to and there are so many parallels for Alaska. Um, one of the things that Finland has done incredibly well is identifying, uh, you know, some of their natural resources exactly that they can leverage, and some of those attributes of the place where they live. And and one thing that Alaska has that's very interesting um, is these microgrids, um, which are these islanded um, electrical grids that are usually, you know, um, a half megawatt uh, or so or smaller that aren't connected to any larger electrical grid. And while over the course of history, these have been challenging, you know, small utilities to keep um, to keep the lights on and to provide heat um, for, for local residents because really because they're islanded and because they're disconnected and because they're so small. What's happening throughout the rest of the world in the electricity space is that, you know, as folks are looking at larger and larger storms and they're looking at the potential to have blackouts because we have, you know, one big power plant feeding millions of folks, the entire world is moving towards smaller and smaller uh, microgrids, and they're starting to chop up these huge utilities in other parts of the world into smaller grids that can operate on their own. Alaska has over 250 microgrids that have been operating for decades, and there's this incredible understanding and just ability to operate these these standalone systems that is an exportable uh, knowledge base. This is a, a, a form of expertise and know-how that is incredibly relevant to what you know massive markets in the rest of the country and rest of the world are are heading towards. And I think there's several several things like that. While while I, I agree wholeheartedly with Aaron um, that we sometimes give ourselves too much credit for being unique and like nowhere else. <laughs> I I also agree with him that that you know some of these very you know, very particular assets that the state has or these um, these characteristics that are unique to Alaska are things that we should be leveraging and should be investing in and should be, you know, kind of exporting to the rest of the world. Something that Aaron said earlier about, um, you know, having um, assets here and, and investing in, in Alaska and in, in um, Alaskan natives having some of the, you know, decades and hundreds and thousands of years of experience uh, observing and intimately understanding the natural environment and using that to produce innovations that lead to survival and, um, you know, kind of an incredible quality of life. Um, I think that that leveraging that part of Alaska and Alaska's kind of approach to innovation is 
how we can be revolutionary. Um, one of the things that I think is really exciting that's happening right now is, you know, um, this this move, as I was speaking about earlier, towards smaller and smaller grids and um, and, and kind of the, the de-aggregation of everything where people are turning more towards community, more towards their neighbors. They're looking at ways to have more local food and more resilient, um, a more resilient community around them. This is a, a trend that's happening really throughout the world now. Um, mm. And things like COVID, as, as awful, awful as, as the COVID-19 pandemic has had, I think it's only accelerating that trend. Um, some of the increasing, you know, natural disasters, uh, hurricanes in, uh, in the lower 48 is also pushing that trend towards, how, you know, if, if something bad happens, how do we have resilient systems locally where we can depend on our neighbors and depend on people that are within our kind of social group to, to move forward? Um, this is an area where I think Alaska, um, you know, communities and villages who are working with, um, you know, either themselves producing innovations or working with some of the most innovative companies anywhere in the world um, can be an, an incredible um, kind of revolutionary act for the state. Um, and what I mean specifically is that, you know, in my um, in my job, we're working with 20 companies now who have all come to Alaska, um, not because they are looking for a bunch of money or because they are looking for, um, you know, uh, any kind of uh, tech uh, programmers or developers. What they're really coming here to do is to interact with people who know the problems that they're tackling better than they do and who can give them feedback on what they are doing and improve whatever technology or innovation or business model that they have developed. And I think there's an, there's an amazing opportunity for communities and, and, and villages throughout the state to partner with these companies and do it in a way that is, you know, not um, companies coming in and peddling some kind of false wares, but really partnering with them to develop solutions to the problems that we're all facing together. And then, you know, become um, partners in that company's future through a variety of ways, maybe participating in some of the investment in those companies, maybe having um, folks that are from the community um, becoming interns or employees with those companies. Um, there are there are all these exciting ways that we're starting to see with our portfolio and um, with with communities throughout Alaska where like we can build things together and it's um, it's us working in partnership to deploy technologies and solutions that can have a real impact globally. And this is what gets my heart pumping like this this <laughs> potential to partner up on on deploying deploying solutions that the that the world desperately needs you know validating them proving them out in Alaska and then and then staying together as we as we scale them to other parts of the world hmm. let me follow up um, quickly Isaac and then Aaron will come to you I'm I'm struck by how often Isaac you use the the word partner um, and 
I guess is it is it fair to say that a lot of these these solutions you're working toward rely on on relationships? I think it's all relationships. Yeah, I, and I and really, I mean the way that. I approach all of this stuff is that the relationship is kind of the only thing that matters. Um, even <laughs> as much um, emphasis as we put on, you know, the um, the technology itself or the, or what what the innov- what the actual innovation is that people get excited about, even that changes based on the relationships that people form and the conversations that they have and the feedback that they give one another, mm. um, and. And the other reason I think partnering is so key is because Alaska has a history of um, of folks that have you know wares to pedal, um, selling things into communities without any partnership, without any kind of consultation or any or any long term view, and really just leaving junk that maybe stops working in a couple years and no long term operations and maintenance has been considered. And I think that, that that kind of a approach to economic development or you know uh, building things is is actually more harmful than good. And so f- for for this stuff to work, it has to be people who know know each other well and trust each other and mm. know that they're going to be around over the long term. Mm. First and foremost, we to be revolutionary uh, are two things. One, we have to stop doing what we've always done. Uh, we have to change this uh, resource extraction model where the resources are taken out of Alaska and very little, you know, 10 cents on the dollar stays here. Uh, we have these boom and bust cycles. I mean, whether you're talking about the Russians with sea otters, whether you're talking about gold, timber, fish, oil, copper, um, you know, there's billions upon billions of dollars that have flowed out of Alaska with very little of it staying here. And some of that is beyond our control and some of that's our own fault, uh, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have to invest in ourselves. And I also think, uh, to Isaac's point, that those Alaskans that truly care about Alaska have to come together to make for a better place. Those Alaskans that look at this as their adventure, stop off on their career, work for 20 years, you know, make their money, and then buy a condo in Maui are not helping this state. They're, they're, they're hurting the state, I would argue. Uh, so that has to change. And also, we as a state, and by state I mean, you know, essentially at this point, you know, whatever the permanent fund is, what, what is the goal of the permanent fund? Is it a permanent fund that sits there forever? Or do we get to a point where we decide that we are going to take that wealth and invest in ourselves to, with partners to create these innovative solutions and use the know-how and also, you know, um, the, learn from the mistakes. A good example of this is this weekend I uh, decided to get out of town and I went uh, to Lake Louise, uh, sort of north uh, east of Anchorage, 
about uh, 180 miles. And in the community, a few years back, they had a $3 million community center built. There was a grant that came through. They, they had to spend that money within a set amount of time. So they just went and built it. They didn't clear the ground enough time to let it thaw correctly. Um, they built it. They got it done. 18 months later, it was condemned because everything started to shift. And there are hundreds of examples of those kinds of things that have been developed uh, across our state, sadly. And we, I don't want to point fingers at individuals, but as a collective, we have to be accountable for that and say, what were the mistakes? Why did this happen? How do we make sure this never happens again? Uh, because for a long time, we've had a lot of easy or, for lack of a better term, cheap money coming in, whether it's been through uh, you know, the oil, whether it's been through federal grants. It'll be interesting to see what happens you know, in the aftermath of, of COVID. I mean, there's no doubt that we're facing an unprecedented level of, of hits to our economy. But at the same time, it's in moments like this that you have to take stock of where we are and how do we move forward? So that's how I think we can be revolutionary. Hmm. You know, we heard Isaac talking about the importance of, of two-sided relationships and partnerships. And, and Aaron, you talked about the need for, you know, folks who really care about this state and its future to come together. And this is maybe a bit of a pivot in the conversation. But I think when a lot of people think about indigenous knowledge, they are thinking about knowledge of the land in particular, knowledge of resources and, and how to live on the land and with the land. Um, Aaron, I'd welcome your thoughts about, about relationships as well. If, if there are, you know, lessons that you have come across about different ways of relating simply. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, I agree. Fundamentally, it is absolutely about relationships, um, for a variety of reasons. Obviously there's a long history of, of, uh, bad relationships, uh, built on mistrust uh, built on uh, lies and deceptions and, and those things. So, I mean, that from a historic standpoint. But, but fundamentally, as indigenous people, but also as Alaskans, I also believe that because we have a, such a small population in our state that your word is your bond, and if you say you're going to do something – and you're committed to this place, then you better carry it out. And and those that don't don't last. You know, those that are in for the cheap buck may, in the short term, come out ahead. But you'll never come out ahead in the long term uh, unless you know you take the money and run. Uh, and there's certainly plenty of examples uh, of that. But you know, your reputation is everything. And it, I think it's it's. It's even more important in Alaska because, you know, we're only two or three people away from, from knowing somebody. And, and so, you know, I always think about those, those things, um, you know, all the small businesses that are out there. And it's about how can you create these relationships that can be beneficial, uh, not predatory. Um, so... Yeah, I would fully agree with that statement. Uh, 
And also, you know, from an indigenous perspective, um, I mean, the fact that, you know, uh, because of the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act in 1971, we as Alaska Natives signed a document that essentially created uh, corporations instead of reservations, and we were told to go out and be good capitalists. And over the last 50, coming up on 50 years, there's a lot of knowledge that's been learned in a lot of different sectors, and there's been a lot of mistakes that have been made, but there's been a lot of innovation. And so most of the money now that is being generated by those Alaska Native corporations, ironically, is not being generated in Alaska. It's being generated around the world. It's being generated on military bases in the Middle East. It's being developed in um you know, Virginia, Alabama, Washington. I mean, the list goes on. There's probably not a state in the United States that doesn't have some sort of Alaska Native subsidiary. And the point being that if we really came together to find innovative solutions to our problems uh, in true, meaningful collaboration, I think we do have the ability to do it. Connecting to the things that you were just talking about, Aaron, um, I was thinking about this specific period where we live in, um, this global pandemic, this very uncertain and settling time. And I recently read something very interesting, um, um, you know, calling this time as some sort of portal uh, that um, maybe will bring us into a new um some sort of to say new new world or, or something, but um, yeah, just connecting with some of the things that we were just, that you were just saying. Um, I wonder if like the specific time that we're living in could be like a great occasion to imagine and envision perhaps post-capitalist models uh, for our society, more um, sustainable, equitable models. Um, and in the sense, I'd, I'd be curious, you know, from both of you, um, um, if you if you could vision a model, or like if you have a vision for tomorrow for the future, what you know, what would that be? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll take that. Um, well, I don't think I don't I don't subscribe to the idea of a, a post-capitalist world. What I would argue for is a compassionate capitalist world uh, where. Uh, you know, a, a set profit is deemed to be an acceptable amount uh, because I do think capitalism does generate innovation and it does uh, do a lot of that. So a good example of that is um, the ANCSA corporations. They're not, I mean, if you look at ANCSA as a document, all it says is that these corporations have a responsibility to their shareholders to make money, like any other business. But what is within that is the fact that these corporations also recognize that by signing that document and in the way it went, they inherited the you know land base from their ancestors, and that how can they create a system to uh, create something that won't be just for one or two generations, but that'll be for the next 20, 30, 50 generations uh, down the road. Also, uh, their emphasis on creating 
uh, some of the best examples of uh, indigenous healthcare, social service uh, models that are studied around the world, uh, places like Canada, New Zealand, Australia, uh, the lower 48 tribes all come to Alaska to learn how did we develop, you know, our uh, healthcare, our compacting, our, you know, relationships. So these things um, exist. But, you know, there are ways that businesses can exist and be capitalist, but not at a level that is so um, disproportionate. Yeah. I wonder, uh, Isaac, do you have any thoughts on that? You work with a lot of startups and, you know, in the innovative uh, sector. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I want to be more controversial here. I want to disagree with Aaron more, but I, I just have to agree with most of what he's, pretty much everything that he's saying. I mean, uh, you know, the ANCs in Alaska are are like the original Alaska startups. You know, we're working with a bunch of startups right now, but really ANCs are now, a, 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 you know, a few decades ago were themselves startups and were um and are just now, you know, we're three decades in and we see what they've grown into and what they've become. And and I think, similar to Aaron, I, I wouldn't throw out the entire system of capitalism, but I would put more guardrails on it that ensure the benefits are going to human beings, <laughs> that we are, you know, designing the, the boards of um, these growing companies to ensure that they have leadership that reflects the values of, um, of, of people and of communities and, and of the environment and that we are, you know, forcing the, the you know, the corporations and the and exciting startups to take into account their impact on, um, on you know, the society and governance and, and kind of um, environmental concerns. There's a uh, there's this entire world that uh, if you're within the, the kind of startup or innovation sphere, um, everyone is talking about ESGs, ESGs, ESGs. And these are environmental, social, and governance metrics. And, and I think it's, you know, there's a lot to be down about in the moment that we're living through right now and a lot of very tough things that we all, you know, are grappling with over the next couple of decades. But the the ESG moment or the fact that we have investors or the, the biggest funds are requiring startups to report on how they are affecting how their technology or how their business models affect the environment or, um, you know, uh, how they're uh, goaling for and, and tracking social um, inclusion metrics and how they are um, running their companies in a way that's ethical and making decision making, you know, have, have decision making structures that takes into account, um, you know, their impact on more than just the bottom line of, um, of the company. This, this is a, a very positive um, kind of change to me or, or trend here. And, and I agree, you know, kind of to, to the original question that a vision that I would have for Alaska is that you know, we have more of these examples of companies who work here and have 
folks from the region or from the village that are on their boards or are part of the team and as they grow or as that as that company you know evolves that they are um, have ownership and they are directing that that startup or that young company on on how it behaves and 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 what products it develops and why and, and who they serve and why and having you know having people involved in these companies as they grow i think is um is critical and is something that ancs have kind of shown us the way how to do that you know have, have boards of folks that have have a tie to the region and have a tie to to the place